Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Good morning, Revelation Church. I hope you're all doing well. Uh, Today we're going to be looking at a story from Joshua chapter 7. And when I was preparing this sermon, I was reminded of two school experiences, which I think almost every school kid must have been through. The first is that painful time when someone in your class has done something terribly wrong and the teacher is trying to get them to own up. And the teacher threatens to keep the whole class in at break unless somebody's going to confess to this sin. I wonder if you remember that one. And then the other memory is uh, picking teams for football or some other competition. You have two captains who are selected and then everybody else lines up and then the captains select their teams one at a time and of course they pick the most capable players first and then the the guys that are less athletic are left to the end a little bit painful for them perhaps and we're looking at Joshua 7 and this distressing story about Achan and the story combines those two school memories because someone is expected to confess to a grave misdemeanor and then a selection process takes place. Two weeks ago, we were looking at the remarkable and miraculous conquering of Jericho, uh, one of the, the most incredible stories in the Bible. And you can imagine how pumped up Joshua's army felt after that victory. God ensured that this massive place these city walls collapsed and then the army were able to sweep in and do the rest who could possibly stand in the way of Israel they were invincible and so full of confidence they pressed on to the next city this was going to be easy this was a relatively small place a place called Ai and they apparently didn't consult the Lord about it they didn't pray Uh, Joshua sent some spies into the city and they reported back and they said look you know this is a small place we won't need the whole army just uh, 3,000 fighting men maybe so the soldiers went up and they attacked Ai but of course they got chased out of the city and tragically 36 men died it was an epic fail and Joshua couldn't believe it what on earth had gone wrong he and his elders tore their clothes they put dust on their heads as a sign of repentance and they stayed before the ark of the covenant all the way through to the evening and then god spoke to them and he told them that some of the items that should have been devoted to the lord had in fact been stolen and that was the reason for their failure at ai Joshua was instructed to gather all the people together the following day. And we're going to pick up the story in Joshua chapter 7 and verse 16. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel near tribe by tribe. And the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought near the clans of Judah and the clan of the Zerahites was taken. And he brought near the clan of the Zerahites, man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought near his household, man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him. And tell me now what you have done. 
Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar, and two hundred shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing fifty shekels, then I coveted them and took them. And see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and behold, it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. And they took them out of the tent and brought them to Joshua and all the people of Israel. And they laid them down before the Lord and Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the cloak, and the bar of gold, and his sons and daughters, and his oxen, and donkeys, and sheep, and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them up to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire and stoned them with stones and they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Achor. Well, let's put this into context, shall we? Because it's important to realise what Achan had really done here. In today's prices, I reckon the gold bar he stole would be worth around £24,000 and the silver would have been worth around another £1,400 plus the value of the cloak. So we're, we're talking about a significant theft here. This is not a few sweets from a sweet shop. This is serious burglary going on here. But the main issue was that Aiken took something away from God's victory. Jericho was God's victory, and all of the spoils were his. God had given this victory to his people. They just had to walk by faith. They just had to be obedient, and then God did everything else for them. And then here was this man who had taken something away that belonged to God. God's instruction about the devoted things is recorded in the previous chapter, just before the walls Jericho fell down. In Joshua 6.16, we read these words. Then the priests blew the trumpets and Joshua yelled, Get ready to shout. The Lord will let you capture this town, but you must destroy it and everything in it to show that it now belongs to the Lord. The silver and gold and everything made of bronze and iron belong to the Lord and must be put in his treasury. Be careful to follow these instructions because if you see something you want and take it, the Lord will destroy Israel and it will be all your fault. It was a very clear instruction to everyone and the consequences of not obeying this were really spelled out. You will bring destruction and trouble on the whole camp of Israel. So Achan knew what he was doing. He knew his actions would bring suffering to the entire population. And yet he went ahead and stole these items anyway. The first 
lesson to learn from this story is this. It's about the importance of continuing, continually relying on God. The importance of continually relying on God. You know, after Jericho, they were full of confidence. They felt they only needed 3,000 soldiers to defeat Ai. And yet, of course, if the Lord was not going to be with them, they were always going to be unsuccessful. Psalm 127 and verse 1 comes to mind. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labour in vain. You might recall that Gideon had 300 men, a much smaller number, and yet he defeated the Midianites who were thousands and thousands in number. How was he able to do that? Well, simply because God was with him. It's so easy for us to rely on our own strength. We may have had great victories in advancing the gospel or we might be tempted to think we can now do it ourselves and forget to pray, forget to seek for wisdom, forget to rely on the Lord. One commentator put it like this, never is the believer in greater danger of a fall than after a victory. We are so prone to drop our guard and begin to trust in ourselves or in our past victories rather than the Lord. One victory never ensures the next. 1 Corinthians 10:12 says, Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. So in our personal lives and as a church, we need to remember what this story is teaching us. We need to constantly rely upon the Lord. The next thing I want to point out from this story is that there is a pattern here which is emerging which is all too familiar. There's an all too familiar pattern in this story. Achan's story was as old as the Bible itself. Uh, I'm indebted to a writer called Phil Wade who pointed out the parallel between Joshua and Genesis. Let me take you through what happens in both places. So in the book of Joshua, in the beginning of the book, chapter 1, we find that the Israelites are being given a land for their rest. In Genesis, the early part of Genesis, God places Adam and Eve in the garden. He gives a place to them. Back in the, jo in the book of Joshua, we, we find Joshua chapter 3 that the Israelites were instructed to take dominion over the land. Again in Genesis, Adam and Eve are, are to take dominion over the animals and the land. In Joshua, God gives the Israelites one clear restriction in chapter 6, which is to take nothing for themselves. All the spoils are to be devoted to the Lord. Adam and Eve are given one restriction, not to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Back in Joshua, we find that the penalty for Achan's sin is death and the Israelites lose fellowship with God. Chapter 7 verse 12 says, God says, I will be with you no more. And then when we look at the beginning of Genesis, we find that Adam and Eve are warned that they will surely die. And of course, as they sin, they are separated from God. In Joshua, Achan does not come forward when the sin is announced to everyone. He tries to hide away. Again, Adam and Eve hide themselves 
from God when they've sinned. Then in Joshua's account, when Achan is brought out, he confesses his sin. Then he says he saw the forbidden things, he coveted them, and he took them. And you see the same three-stage progression with Eve right back at the beginning. She saw the fruit, she coveted it, she took it. And then finally, Achan is put to death. And of course, Adam and Eve eventually die. It's a familiar pattern. All of us have been there. All of us have know what it's like to be an Achan. James 1, 14 and 15 summarises this pattern of behaviour like this. It says there, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. That's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. It's exactly what happened to Achan. It's exactly what happens to each one of us. We see something, we covet it, we act upon that and we get ourselves into trouble. And that's what the Valley of Achor means. Achor means trouble. And so Achan, Achan ends up in the Valley of Achor. And of course, every time we allow temptation to lead us to desire and desire gives birth to sin, we end up in the Valley of Trouble. None of us can look down on Achan and pretend we would never do something similar. None of us can look down on Adam and Eve and feel superior because we have the same pattern in our own lives. In both cases, the sin of one man brought trouble on everyone else. Charles Spurgeon said this, he said, If we look back at the pile of stones in the Valley of Achor, we will recognise that we have also seen forbidden things, coveted them and taken them for ourselves. Like our first parents, we have sinned, so we will die. Now, if that was the end of the story, it would be a thoroughly depressing message, but it, it isn't, of course. There is hope, because in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, we read, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. And that's the third thing I want to emphasise. The valley of trouble leads to a door of hope. The valley of trouble leads to a door of hope. The valley of Achor was a distressing place. It was a place of death. It was a place of judgment. And I'm sure the Israelites went back to their tents that night with really heavy hearts. A great pile of stones had been created to remind them of the trouble that would come upon them if they disobeyed the Lord. But that isn't the last we hear of the Valley of Achor in the Bible. If you flick through the Old Testament towards the end, you get the book of Hosea. And in Hosea 2, verse 14 to 16, we read a short passage about the Lord's mercy towards Israel. And God says, Therefore I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. In Joshua's time, Israel had been cast away because of her sin and trouble had resulted. But here in Hosea is a great promise that this valley of trouble will become a door of hope. 
In other words, God was going to restore Israel to a relationship with him. You know, there was one man from Judah that brought sin and trouble on the whole nation. His name was Achan. He was judged and he died for his son, sin. But there's another man also from the tribe of Judah. He actually had no sin. He committed no sin. And yet all the sins of the world were poured upon him, heaped upon him, just like those stones were heaped upon Achan. And this man was judged in our place. His name was Jesus. He is the just who dies for the unjust, the righteous who dies for the unrighteous. He was judged instead of us in this valley of trouble so that there could actually be a door of hope for everyone. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, he made it possible for us to receive forgiveness of sins if we put our faith in him. So when we find ourselves in trouble, when sin has found us out as it does, that situation can also become a door of hope for us when we remember that Jesus has been judged in our place. Look, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, you can do that today. You know, don't stay in the valley of trouble when Jesus offers you a door of hope. Walk through it. Humbly accept that he's done everything necessary for you to be saved and to be reconciled to God and to come into a real living relationship with God. And for those of us who are already Christians, the same applies. We need to keep coming back to the cross. We need to come back to the door of hope. Look, don't hesitate and linger in the valley of trouble when there's a door of hope. 1 John 1 9 was written to believers if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So let's not become complacent and start thinking we don't need God to help us. Let's learn from Israel's mistake at AI. You know however successful we might have been uh, we still need to lean on God. We still need to pray. We need to ask for his direction. We need his wisdom. We, we shouldn't assume that we know it all. And let's remember our human frailty. Let's uh, beware of that pattern of seeing forbidden things, coveting them and taking them because we know that we'll end up in the valley of trouble. But if we do end up in the valley of trouble, let's remember too that there's a door of hope, the cross. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for the stories in the Old Testament which just show us all the good things and all the bad things that happen in human life. Shows us all the, the frailties of human life. And Lord, this story is very sobering, it's very distressing, but it points us towards the truth that we need the cross and we need to come back to the cross every day. Lord, for those of us that are in the valley of trouble right now, I pray, Lord, that we would just turn back to you quickly. And Lord, every time we're tempted to uh, look at things, to cover things, to move away from you, do things we shouldn't do, Lord, help us to be aware of that pattern and uh, remind us again and again that we need to confess our sin, not wait as, as Achan did for the very last moment, but to come back to you quickly 
and to confess that sin and to recognise, Jesus, that you've done everything necessary to free us, release us and to give us that door of hope. Help us to keep coming through the door of hope. Always. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a great morning together.